our next guest on, Neil Parks, an award-winning paranormal author and researcher. Uh, we'll be opening up the phone lines at 844-687-7669. Again, toll-free at 844-687-7669. You're listening to Jason JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. It's Monday on the West, Tuesday on the East. Many of you are stuck somewhere in between. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio with me, Jason Hawes, and the always awesome JV Johnson. So there's this, there's this video that's gone viral on the internet, um, and it's... Uh, Actually, I don't know if it's gone viral or not. But the other night when we were doing the program, of course, Jay, you know, I do a YouTube stream. And the um, people caught a, uh, a thing happening behind me that's kind of spooking me out a little bit. Are you talking the paper? No, 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 no. The paper, that, that thing is just because I have the heater blowing. But there, but there was this little um, white image that came out of the television that sits behind me, went into the little candle holder I have, then came back out and went off and did its own thing. Um, I've watched the video. It's uh, It comes out of me, according to some people. It actually comes from me to the TV, to the candle thing. There's been a lot of strange things that have come out of it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue yeah. that. But uh, it's a pretty interesting video, and uh, I haven't had time to really sit down and analyze it. It was from, like, last Wednesday night's show, I believe. Um, but a lot of people are talking about it. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm going to take a look at it. I'll have to check that out. Um, hey, has this daylight saving thing screwed you up? No, it hasn't at all, actually. My uh, it's my hours are so bizarre anyway that it, I don't even follow a clock half the time, so it doesn't matter too much. I truly don't feel like we need it anymore. I think we well, should just leave it leave it where it is now and just, just roll with it. There's a lot of people that believe that. Um, and, and if you look at the reasons that it was put into place, a lot of those reasons don't exist anymore. So I guess it might make sense to reexamine this at this yeah, point. They, you know, the, the whole fallback one is what screws me. Let me see, fall back. Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, that's, back. that one's not bad because you get an extra hour. Yeah, but it screws me up. It gets dark too early and, <laughs> well, and everything else. It, it just, does, it does change, change that for sure. Screws everything up. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, we could go live uh, you know, closer to the equator and you'd have a longer day. I mean, oh, geez, you give way. me a 24-hour day, I, I'm sure I could fill it up. <laughs> or you go up to uh, uh, Alaska, parts of Alaska that don't see the sun for six months. That'd yeah, be an interesting right. thing. Yeah, that would suck. That would suck. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so I, I, I think there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of, I know some states have uh, have decided to opt out of the changing of the time. Yeah, well, Arizona, I guess, doesn't do I think Indiana is another one. Yeah. I'm not well, certain, and, but. And I know that there was actually some something that Congress was trying to pass something about doing away with it, which is the only time I'll support a politician. Yeah, they'll screw everything else up, but I'll support them on uh, that. I tell you, they screw everything up. All right, so uh, we've got a, a completely different topic to occupy the second hour of the program tonight. Our guest uh, will be Neil Parks. Neil is a paranormal investigator and a researcher. Something he, I know stuff about. He's, this is awesome. He's been doing it for a long time. He's an award-winning paranormal author. And we're going to be talking about some of his books and some of his experiences. And Neil, welcome to be on reality radio it's a pleasure to have you on tonight thank you so much for having me thanks for coming a real on pleasure. i like the overall feeling and the vibe of the show so far well thanks um glad to have you on tell us how you got your start and your interest in paranormal topics <laughs> wow well it began at a very early age with uh, something as simple as records you would buy at a yard sale with vincent price reading edgar Allan poe narrating it so that got me into the macabre and to the supernatural and stories my grandmother told me when I was a very young child about uh, the back hills of Kentucky, the mountain witches and strange lights in the sky. 
and uh, cryptozoological type creatures that live in the woods. And those stories just stuck with me throughout my entire life and encountering things on my own that I couldn't explain, that I really couldn't speak freely about because at that time in 1986 and, and even before that, you really couldn't speak openly about that type of phenomenon because no one really understood it or they would say that you worked for the Inquirer. At that time, it was all yellow journalism. That's just something funny you would see on a, on a fake newspaper. And my grandmother passed away in 2005, so I took it upon myself to collect those stories that she told me and put them into a book to see if anyone else would be interested in hearing or reading those stories. Well, and five like to six books later now, uh, people are still enjoying what I write. And that was a common thing, though. I mean, especially back in the 80s and so forth. Uh, you, if you talk about the paranormal, people, it was more, they, they mocked you. They made fun of you. And uh, it's only over the last, you know, 15, 20 years where it's really opened up and people have been more than willing to share their stories and, and stuff when it comes down to the paranormal. More and more people seem to be getting involved or being more open to the possibility of it. Completely. Uh, you know, a short while ago, there was this, this little show, I think it was called Ghost Hunters, that really opened the door for a lot of people. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, oh, yeah, that was you. No, I, yeah, I knew that, it was you the whole time. Anyway, go on. <laughs> But no, and uh, you know, that was the main that was the main focus of when we when we finally agreed to do Ghost Hunters because we turned down doing TV like five different times was the fact that somebody was going to do it and how were they going to portray the field and at least if we did it and we did it the way we've always looked at it we could try to make it where it wasn't such a taboo subject people were more willing to talk about it and uh, and I think we did open the doors on that which, uh, you which really did, helped yeah. out a lot of people and so we accomplished what we were after. You really helped in my book sales, too. I appreciate that. All right. Well, the mutual love at Society here. Um, in all honesty, uh, Neil, if, if you were into the macabre before you were into the paranormal, um, there is a transition there that you must have gone through because there are a lot of horror movie fans that aren't necessarily paranormal fans and vice versa. What's the transition for you? Well, it's, I'm sort of an enigma because I love both Star Wars and Star Trek. And you're not supposed to, but I do. Uh, a lot of those things, I just sort of carved my own identity and having an interest and a fascination with with horror. Um, my spiritual life is what has thrown me more into the paranormal because uh, I've been very active and attached to my faith. And it's sort of become a part of my research and what I do and what I base it on. And as you started to learn more about the paranormal and you started to hear these stories from uh, your grandmother and you started to collect them, um, at what point did you start to decide that you were going to maybe research these as opposed to just tell the stories? At around the age of 11 and 12, I decided I wanted to start walking through and exploring abandoned homes, caving systems, uh, walking through the woods looking for Mothman or Bigfoot or, well, I never went as far south to where Chupacabra would be, but it was still fun to read about. Uh, things like that, fascinations with UFOs, the Twilight Zone, uh, sci-fi television with more UFOs and alien phenomenon, and then a new breath of life in 1993 when the X-Files launched and tied all of those things together in one show where you had uh, UFOlogy, serialology, 
cryptozoology and uh, spirituality, spiritual warfare, so on and so forth. It just really kind of made it click for me at that time. Um, let's take a break right now before we get into some more details about the book and your work. Um, and then uh, we'll take your phone calls too at 844-687-7669. You listen to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the show. It's Beyond Reality Radio with Jason and JV. Our guest this hour, Neil Parks. Um, you can visit Neil at his website, parksparanormal.wixsite.com slash Neil. Neil, again, thanks for being here. Um, let's talk about your experiences as a paranormal investigator. Have, have you been doing that part of your work for a long time? I have, actually. Uh, for many years now, and I've been a guest speaker at different festivals and conventions. For example, the Mothman Festival, uh, the Mid-Ohio Paranormal Con, uh, speaking at libraries, schools, and uh, believe it or not, sometimes churches. Actually, JV and I were supposed to be at the Mothman Festival last year. We just didn't make it. That's right. Well, that's too bad. That would have been a great stop for you. You plan on making that anytime? We do. We we're hope hopefully we can make the next one, but we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes. We're both we're both majorly interested in the Mothman story um, to begin with. Plus, we hear that's a great event. It really is. It's a, it's grown at, at epic proportions. People from as far as Ireland, New Jersey, and Australia have come to it. Did you say Ireland, New Jersey, yeah, and Australia? Because one of the one of those is not like the other. It's <laughs> yeah. I like to mix it up a little. Yeah, you should. Yeah, be. Ireland, New Jersey, and Australia. And how many people do they usually get out there to that? Oh, a good weekend. Normally about thirty to forty thousand. Wow. Which generally is the population of Chillicothe, Ohio itself. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, you uh, mentioned giving the, your talk and, and addressing people in churches. Um, what is your opinion and how do you feel about the uh, view of the paranormal by most of uh, the religions, particularly Christian Christianity? Uh, a lot of Christians uh, don't know how to approach it adequately. Uh, they're scared of it. They're not informed enough about it they refuse to be informed about it and they're quick to cast stones at it without truly understanding the significance of the paranormal and spirituality within christianity i mean there's nothing more paranormal or supernatural than the virgin birth the life the death and the resurrection of christ and the the enigmatic creator itself that being god and obviously, he didn't tell us everything. So I I rely on that. And when talking to people, they often bring that up. How can I believe in other alien races if I'm a Christian? Or how can I believe in ghosts if I believe in heaven and hell? And I also believe in purgatory. I believe in limbo. Um, water monsters. Exactly. And, and that's... And that's the thing. A lot of a lot of their teachings actually fly, cover topics of the paranormal. So it it just it doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't have any belief in it, or they'd be terrified of it. Precisely. I mean, it just it, it sort of started more, I think, with the Church of England and with uh, settlers coming from Europe to here. Uh, it seemed to be a big shift in the church as a whole with the ideology itself when they moved from there to here and started setting up Puritanism, Quakerism, and then that stemmed into evangelicalism. 
Which is again crazy because in Ireland and places like that, they're very, they're they've always been very open to the whole uh, paranormal. Oh yeah, very open to spirituality in Ireland, especially the Highlands. But when they get over here, they sort of close that off. Uh, they're sort of forced to, to close it off when they come here. Uh, America really is just completely backwards on so many levels when it comes to um, art, culture society and spirituality you have um, been doing this long enough that it clearly uh, uh, well I'm not saying clearly it, it has affected your family life Tell, talk to us about how this stresses your family life well for a while um, I had to walk away from writing researching doing any kind of investigation because I wasn't prioritizing adequately so I really had to do some deep soul searching um, evaluate what was most important to me and figure out a way to mix the two without neglecting the other. So I was able to balance everything better by incorporating my family more into it. And my kids are all into it. Uh, my wife's always been a part of it, but she's more actively involved now. And I managed to cut a few toxic people out of my life which um, made the overall experience better for me in the end. And I think it's important to involve your family. Like my my children, they're they're all highly interested in the paranormal. My three daughters, my my older daughters, Samantha, Haley, and Satori. Satori investigates with the Taps Home Team. Haley's been involved in the paranormal. Uh, Samantha's still involved uh, very much in the paranormal. And I think that's important because you can also you can have a lot of that bonding time with your family while you're out doing this this other stuff as well. And I think that it's just it's greatly important when it comes down to that. And that's why I enjoy being able to bring my kids on the road and film with them while doing this as well. Oh, yeah. So being able to merge they're, that. Go yeah, ahead. Especially with their reaction, a child's reaction when encountering something is priceless. Well, yeah, because they, they, it's not like they're born with fear of this. It's what's taught to them. It's what's taught to them during the time they're growing up. And if you've always been open with them and, and taught them that there's really nothing, not much to fear, not nothing to fear, but not much to fear when it comes down to this, um, I think it's, it's important because it, it really helps them in a lot of these areas. You know, like I always tell my kids, the real monsters and the real things to fear is mankind. Yeah, I, I tell everybody, I, you know, they say, don't go scary. No, I'm afraid of the living, not the dead. I mean, the living the living are the ones that can yeah. cause you great pain and, and punishment. Precisely. All right, so we're going to take a break here in just a minute, um, and then we'll come back and continue talking with our guest, Neil Parks. Don't forget, we've got some great shows coming up on Beyond Reality Radio this week. In fact, tomorrow night, Isaac Arthur, who is a science communicator, will be with us to talk about physics, astronomy, space exploration, the Fermi paradox, and just general futurism. And Jay, I have a feeling this is one of those that's going to make our heads hurt a little bit. Probably. And <laughs> Wednesday, Wednesday's going to make our heads hurt a little bit, though. We're going to be talking with Patricia Steer and Mark Sargent. Mark and Patricia are authors on the Flat Earth Theory, and we'll be discussing their new documentary on Netflix called Behind the curve now if you haven't seen it and you have netflix check it out it's an interesting show and jv and i have mixed feelings on this we talk about how honestly i think the way it was cut and edited sort of tried to push the whole idea that they were a little 
odd and off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it should have just been an unbiased thing. Give us their opinion. Give us the evidence to support it either way and, and go from there. But, yeah. I don't know. But if you do get a chance to watch the documentary between now and having uh, Patricia and Mark on the program Wednesday night, I recommend it because uh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that, sh- that, that film, that documentary. We will obviously talk about Flat Earth because we won't be able to avoid that with these two guests and not that we would want to. Uh, but I really do want to get their take on the f- making of that film and what they thought of the aftermath. So, Neil, is the Earth flat around? Um, I'm sorry, is there a what? <laughs> is the Earth flat around? <laughs> That's a good around? answer. <laughs> you got nothing. Um, I, believe, I believe fat bottom worlds, girls make the world go around. <laughs> there you go. That's the answer we're looking for. All right, so the phone number is 844-687-7669. We're going to take a quick break. A lot more to come. You're listening to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. Little Johnny Cash bumper music here on Beyond Reality Radio. Welcome back to the program. It's Jason and JV. Phone number is 844-687-7669 if you want to join our discussion. Our guest this hour of the program is Neil Parks. Neil's a paranormal researcher and investigator and an author. He's written several books. And, uh, Neil, the books, uh, the most recent book is Haunted Enough, Terrifying Tales to Tell Your Friends. Um, Most of your books uh, are collections of stories that you've gathered from various sources um, to share with folks. Uh, Are they all paranormal? Are they legends? What what do the uh, stories make up? Well, the first three books I've written, the first one is Paranormal Chronicles, Tales of Humor, Horror, and the Absolutely Strange. And that one is a, a little bit of the stories my grandmother related to me, as well as a couple from a few aunts and uncles along the way, uh, a few people that have passed away, unfortunately. They are dedicated, uh, the book is dedicated to them and their memory. Uh, other stories in it are experiences of my own and uh, some investigations that I've done on that turned out not to be so paranormal and uh, had a funny twist at the end. So I had a little fun with that book just to see how it would go. And, you know, sort of dipping my uh, my toe in the water of literary literary world to see if people would take me seriously as an author. And the second book, Hunt in Chillicothe, is all about Chillicothe, Ohio, where I live. It's Ohio's first capital and is actually one of the most um, haunted locations in South Central Ohio. Uh, the book is done very well locally, and believe it or not, a lot of people that have heard of me have ordered that book as well, uh, along with my more uh, nationally known books, and have enjoyed reading it as well. Uh, the third book is Haunted Holidays, uh, which is a collection of short stories of strange and unusual paranormal happenings between Halloween Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And I tied in a lot of um, legend and myth into that, as well as more stories geared towards spirituality and miracles, uh, sort of like blessings from angels and whatnot. And the most recent book that I've released, uh, which is Haunted Enough, uh, you'll notice there's a question mark at that title at the end of it. Uh, That was basically just a uh, realizing that this is not my final book, haunted enough question mark. Uh, there will be something following that, of course, but my current book I'm working on is an actual novel, not a compilation of short stories. It's going to be a full-on chapter-by-chapter story um, written 
from just my mind and trying to tie in things from each book that I've written already as well as things that I've yet to write into an actual story setting and a group of characters. Now, do you also go back and research some old, well-known haunted type cases and uh, see if you're able to figure out what truly happened in those locations as well? Or is it just mainly things you know, that in your area and, and stuff of that nature? Uh, you mean basically tackling a cold case myself to see if I can put an end to it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, something like that I've not really tackled much of um, other than just taking stories and stories and legends from people like the Carnegie Library in Washington Courthouse. It's supposed to be a haunted library. And people that have worked there or people that have been there have relayed stories to me and I basically came to um, an inconclusive conclusion in the end. I really couldn't put an end to it. It's just it's going to be a legend as long as that building stands. Uh, digging up any kind of uh, I guess, an attempt from another researcher or group where they could not come up with a conclusion. I've not really done any more or any better than anyone else uh, in that avenue. Okay. So with all, with all the investigations and uh, research and everything else you've done, what's the most unusual or the weirdest encounter that you've ever experienced? Oh, goodness. One of the weirdest would have to be a uh, an area in South... East Ohio. Um, it's near Salt Fork Lake. It was a group of guys that were um, setting up trail cams in the area, and something kept getting past their property line and getting into their chickens and into a few of their smaller um, livestock animals. And they came to me because of a mutual friend we had. And they knew the type of research that I did and the stuff that I was posting on the internet before I had ever written a book. Uh, people had been, a few select people had been following me online and they caught wind of me. Then they reached out to this mutual friend of ours who then contacted me and said they really wanted to talk to me about figuring out what is attacking their livestock because they set up trail cams and they want to set up a security system around their house that would allow lights to come on and the cameras to engage due to motion. And they bought this whole pack from Radio Shack. Now, granted, this was like the early 2000s, so that type of technology was relatively archaic compared to what we have now. But back then, you did you felt as if it wasn't going to get any better anytime soon. So they had this whole pack from Radio Shack. I set it up for them, motion sensors, uh, the lights would come on when someone was in the area that they had these marked and set up and the cameras were set up for night vision and uh, we basically waited. So in the end, the conclusion that I came to, it was coyotes that were getting in and doing this and the trail cams would show something big and hairy run past it to the right or to the left and that's all you saw on the trail cam was something big and hairy but then when uh, you had the surveillance footage picking out these coyotes in action, tearing these chickens apart, I'm like, well, gentlemen, what you have here is a group of coyotes that are coming in and doing this damage. You know, there's no Sasquatch here doing this. There's no werewolf. I'm sorry. I don't uh, have here what you're looking for. So 
a couple of days go by, and I am um, getting ready for bed late one night. I get a phone call from a mutual friend, and he says, you're not going to believe what was on the news down there. I said, what? The guys that we know, they went to the local media and said that you had video footage of a werewolf. So what they did was they turned around and tried to put a sensationalism spin on this, and they provided the footage of the big hairy creature running back and forth past the trail cam, but nothing really beyond that, nothing that we had from the actual footage of the coyotes in action tearing the chickens apart. So I contacted the media after we found out about this story and got my my own eyes on the uh, news segment that was on showing these guys talking about the werewolf creature they have in their backyard and that everyone should be on alert. Your children could be in danger. Your pets could be devoured. It was insane. So I contacted the news, told them exactly what it was that was there, that I had the video footage of the coyotes in action, tearing the chickens apart, that no one in that area is in danger. These guys are just making that up for attention. And they had to retract the story. And these guys are like branded scam artists and so forth. And I got a phone call from the main guy that was living on that property. He was the one they called Ah. And he said, if we ever catch you in this area again, we're going to make sure no one ever finds you. So mm-hmm. I'm very selective about what I investigate now because of that. Well, and do you find that in most cases that you're able to debunk or figure out what's truly going on? It has nothing to do with the paranormal? I've been lucky in that aspect. Uh, there have been quite a few cases I've cracked where it's not anything more than just um, issues with vehicles driving by and reflecting off something in the house that casts what looks like a translucent light bouncing across the wall or interference with baby monitors. There's a lot of simple explanations to certain things when people get hypersensitive about it. And that's the thing. You do find that a lot of people, a lot of people are... They're not trying to be mischievous. They they just misunderstand what's what's going on, and you're able to help them out. But you do get those who try to be a little sneaky about it, or who are living in hopes that the place is truly haunted, or something really is going on. I mean, we've we've even had guys a guy build a speaker inside a wall trying to prove his house was haunted because he wanted to be on a show. So you do you do get that, and you need to look out for that. And, uh, you know, you see you get the people who are attention seekers, but most of the time it's people just misunderstanding, correct? Uh, correct. Uh, there was one case, uh, I'll make this short, one case where I proved that something was a haunted pertaining to this woman's house. She had been saying for years it was, and she even had um, TV shows like the show Sightings, something similar to that, that was interested in doing a walkthrough in her house and have a a professional psychic there to communicate with whatever she said was there. Well, I did. She was at one time living here in my hometown, and I did a walkthrough. I went through with my small group, uh, checked everything out. I had a historian with me, uh, a few other people that were experts in the field that were not directly affiliated with my group, and there was absolutely nothing in this house. There were things she had set up to make it look and feel and sound as if Something was going on, uh, like she would talk about phantom odors all the time. And she had stuff set up in the uh, vent ducts to blast uh, during certain parts of the walkthrough. 
that aroma. And I pulled the vent, the, uh, the vent off the side of the wall and found these little potpourri sashes and stuff set up there. And she was humiliated and angry and then went to um, Amazon and completely blasted my book, Haunted Chillicothe and Haunted Holidays, as a means of revenge. Uh, let's jump to our phone lines here and try to grab a listener call. This is TJ from Rhode Island. Hey, TJ, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, thank you for taking the call. And I have a question for your guest because it always puzzles me whether it's the place or the personality that can determine a haunting. So my question is, for example, if someone went to Gettysburg to experience Confederate soldier afterlife activity, have you ever or have you ever heard of people who go there, may experience that, but then also get someone personally connected to them and unrelated to the local? Cal, or have they gone there, experienced, say, no Confederate activity, but only gotten someone connected to them personally? Well, Great I've question. been to Gettysburg a few times. It's really an amazing place, and that's interesting you brought that location up. Uh, that's been one that I refer to quite often when uh, speaking publicly. Uh, for example, location, person, personality. Uh, is it the location itself or the person itself that's haunted? Now, the battlefield of Gettysburg, for example, if you were to build a residential neighborhood on that battlefield, every single house would be haunted, not because of the house itself, but the property. So the person can act as a conduit when going in to a location like that and tap into existing energy frequencies, as I call it. So when they're there, they could feel somewhat of a personal attachment to it. Uh, say you're on the side where there were more Union soldiers and you were of a Confederate, um, a descendant of Confederates, or you were of a Southern background, that energy might somehow act as a positive negative to you, and you could have an adverse effect as a result of it because of the Confederate bloodline in you. I know it's a stretch, but that's a theory. It's a working theory, but that could explain a lot of my question was more, for location. example, do they go there to see someone within the Confederacy or the Union, and then let's say their their long lost pet shows up instead, or with or in conjunction with with one of the local um, specters? So um, a person shows up, and then like a, a lost, a long lost loved one who died in the war shows up. Is that what you're asking? No, no, someone who is personally connected to someone at this point in time. So that it would be the location enables that to happen, or is yeah. it the personalities of the people who died there stamped on the location that limits you only to seeing those people? Have you ever heard I of believe, that? I believe that area to be strictly residual. Oh, okay. and I, I mainly you would go and things would completely act out what they did before. Um, I myself have never experienced an intelligent haunt there. I've only experienced residual. There are other people that would claim otherwise. I mean, it's interactive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think also what TJ's saying is, does the place emit enough energy where if somebody's going to this location in hopes of seeing one of these old, old type spirits, um, <clears throat> but in return, while they're there, what, their own uh, loved one that might have just recently passed appears in front of them. Is it has that ever happened due to a place having enough energy to actually help fuel a situation like that? I would believe that to be entirely possible. 
because you've got one yet or that, I had a um, chance to document that, it. That strong level of energy existing there already. I mean, it's entirely possible for something that is intelligent that recently passed that is attached to you to manifest through that existing level of electromagnetic energy because that's an existing field. Yeah, or near a high limestone deposit area that's giving off energy as well, able to mm -hmm. manifest itself due to the energy and or the circumstances being correct in that area. TJ, thank you for that great questions. Uh, we're just out of time. And, uh, Neil, we, we need to know where people can get a hold of the books. Uh, you can get the books through Amazon, of course, uh, Goodreads, or through Lulu.com, which is my publisher. And, of course, my links are on your website. Uh, where it has the description of what we were discussing tonight and who I am. Well, Neil, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us, and we got to talk to you again at some point for a longer period of time. It was a real pleasure. I, I appreciate the invite. Thank you. You have a great night. What is this Lulu thing? I've heard this a couple times now. Lulu, this is a new it's, well, you, publisher you know, direct yeah, it's kind Lulu, of thing. It's a press yeah. system. So gotcha. it's a nice little setup. Awesome. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, come back and wrap things up. You're listening to Jason JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. Spiricon New England, the fan convention for all things pop culture, horror, and paranormal is almost here, June 7th through the 9th at the Sheridan Hotel and Conference Center, Framingham, Massachusetts. Spiricon brings an amazing group of celebrities, including Cassandra Peterson, you know her as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Elvira, Heather Langenkamp, Amanda Wiss, and Lisa Wilcox from the Nightmare on Elm Street films, plus a 40th anniversary cast reunion and screening of the cult classic Phantasm, Phantasm. and many more. Spiricon also features panel discussions film screenings, great vendors, and parties. It's a weekend of fun from start to finish. For more information, visit Scaricon.com or check us out on Facebook. Use the promo code BRR at checkout to save 25% on your admission. That's Scaricon.com. Scaricon.com. Scaricon New England is being held June 7th through the 9th in Framingham, Massachusetts. Visit the website today. Use promo code BRR with your ticket purchase to save 25% on admission. Great bunch of shows coming up here on Beyond Reality Radio over the next few nights. Tomorrow night, Isaac Arthur is a science communicator. He'll be with us to talk about physics, astronomy, space exploration, the Fermi paradox, and just general futurism. Um, again, that's all tomorrow night with Isaac Arthur. I was going to say that they need to change that song, Smoking in the Boys' Room. It's got to be like vaping in the boys' room. Vaping, uh, e-sicking in the boys' room? It's just getting more up-to-date, I guess, right? <laughs> right. And Modernize then, it. <laughs> and Wednesday, we've got Patricia Steer and Mark Sargent on. Mark and Patricia are authors of The Flat Earth Theory. We're going to be also discussing their new documentary on Netflix called Behind the Curve. So make sure you check that out. It's uh, It's interesting. And Thursday night, we've got Sherilyn Darcy, who is a botanical explorer, a natural history author, and an artist. And she specializes in the study of floroethnobotany, which is the connection between us and flowers. It can be cultural, can be metaphysical, can be spiritual, can be medicinal, and so on. Uh, she does study all plants and can talk about just about anything that has to do with plants. Well, there you go. If you haven't yet, head over to Facebook.com slash Beyond Reality Radio. Like that Facebook page for us. Then head to BeyondRealityRadio.com. Check all our stations out. Download the free smartphone apps and a lot more. But that's going to pretty much do it for us uh, tonight. 
Make sure you tune in tomorrow. You're listening to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll catch you all tomorrow night. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. And that's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time for more in-depth information, bizarre stories, really weird out-of-this-world current events, and information on where I'll be, what I'm up to, what I plan to do next, what I'm currently writing, and the status of my latest book. Thank you.